It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Mark Cuban. How you do anything is how you do everything. If you're not, if you don't pay attention to detail on the little things, you're not going to be in the habit of paying attention to detail for the big things. Ken Griffey Jr. Hey, he wears his hat backwards. Well, I wear my hat backwards because my dad had a fro and I wanted to wear his hat. And if I put his hat on at age six and, you know, he's got a eight and a half and I got like a little five, it's not going to really stay on my head. Jeannie Buss. Thank you for having me. What a nice turnout. It's good to see everyone. John Smoltz. Is if you don't have the imagination and the willingness to fail or not being afraid to fail, I don't think you can be truly great. Candace Parker. I have had so much hope for this generation coming up that have grown up with women in sports, in leadership roles, on television, speaking about sports, speaking knowledgeably about sports. Paul Gasol. To me, all the work that I've done, all the humanitarian work that I've done has always given me great perspective, has allowed me to keep my feet on the ground and uh, has really put and reminded me what's truly important. Damian Lillard. That was for Seattle. (laughs) (laughs) Just to name a few. Welcome to Sports Business Radio. Now, here's Brian Berger. Well, thanks for joining us on this edition of Sports Business Radio. Joining me this week on the show, Ken LaRose, the Senior Vice President of Brand and Consumer for FootJoy. We're going to talk some golf. I had a chance to wear test some FootJoy shoes recently and thought they were terrific. FootJoy has been around for over 100 years. Uh, Justin Thomas won the PGA Championship in FootJoys. And guess what? Tiger Woods has been under the radar wearing FootJoys. So we'll talk about the business of golf and the business of FootJoy with uh, Ken LaRose on this week's show. I'm joined by executive producer Brian Griggs. Griggs, how are you? I'm doing good. And, uh, you know, anytime you can talk to somebody that's been with a company for, you know, a while and a company that's been around for over a hundred years, it's a good company. So it's fun to kind of dig into the shoe and athletic world of uh, footwear. I, I enjoyed it. All right, let's dig into some headlines. Headline number one, Forbes is reporting that a group led by Walmart heir Rob Walton is going to become the next owners of the Denver Broncos and they're going to pay a record price, more than any amount of money ever on a U.S. professional sports team billion. This has been part of an auction. This has been going on for months. And it looks like, Griggs, we may have a winner. And uh, Walton is worth almost $60 billion, one of the wealthiest people in the world. So, you know, spending $4.5 billion on the Broncos is chump change for him. Yeah, it's like buying a coffee at Starbucks. I mean, you know, no big deal. But uh, (laughs) I do like the purchase. I think it's going to be a good group. Um, 
man, I mean, like you said, he's worth 60 billion, so it's just nothing for him. But uh, it's always fun to see new ownerships uh, with these big teams to see how they progress and how they, you know, if they change the team much and uh, what they do with the stadiums and what they do with just the whole outlook. So it'll be fun to see uh, how this progresses. Well, and if you're the owners of other NFL teams, you're like, wait a minute, if this is what the Broncos fetch and Denver's a big market, but let's not pretend it's New York or LA or Chicago or, you know, one of those markets, $4.5 billion. What is my team worth? So, you know, one of the roles of a commissioner is to make sure that when a team is sold, that you're getting maximum value for that team. And I would say $4.5 billion, a record amount for any U.S. sports team ever, is a pretty good value for the Denver Broncos. I think they were smart to pick up Russell Wilson and get a face to the franchise. I think he increased the value of the team and made them a little more relevant than they were when they were kind of faceless for the last few years. And Denver's a great sports town and the Bronco fans love their Broncos. So all the way around, I think it's a good deal, Griggs. Yeah, I think so too. And like you mentioned, the Broncos are making some moves. They made some good pickups with Russell and other players in the off season. Uh, it's a good market, centrally located. I mean, there's a lot of good things going for Denver and I think uh, we're just going to see them continue to rise and get better. And uh, yeah, I'm down with the new ownership. I think it'll be fun. All right, we've got other ownership news, and it's actually right here in our backyard in Portland, Oregon. So for years, and I'm talking decades, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball, all these leagues have targeted one man to try and get into their league as an owner, and it's Nike founder Phil Knight. And news this last week is that Knight And one other person reportedly made a $2 billion offer to purchase the NBA's Portland Trailblazers. And some people may go, well, why the Blazers? Well, Portland is home to Phil Knight. He grew up in Portland. He wants the team to stay in Portland. Um, He wants stable ownership for the Blazers. So this is personal for him. This isn't just buying a random team. This is his home team. And for those who may not be familiar Paul Allen was the owner of the Blazers. He passed away in 2018. And since then, the trust has been running the Portland Trailblazers. And the executor of the trust is Jody Allen, Paul's sister. So there have been a lot of rumors, but, you know, one rumor was they were going to auction the team. And, you know, much like we just mentioned with the Broncos, when you auction a team, it usually goes for more money because you get a bidding war. And several you know, billionaires engage in the war. But I would say this, and I tweeted this out at SB Radio this past week, the NBA would love to have Phil Knight at that table of 30 owners at the Board of Governors meeting. Every league has wanted Phil Knight in their league. If the NBA can say, we have Phil Knight in our league, by the way, the NBA's jersey deal is with Nike. I think Adam Silver is going to get heavily involved here and try and broker a deal between the Paul Allen Trust, which wants the most amount of money for the franchise, and Phil Knight, who offered $2 billion, and some people think if it goes to auction, it would be $3 billion. So does Adam Silver say, hey, let's meet in the middle somewhere. Let's get this done at 2.5, or maybe you get Phil Knight up to three. But I think the main objective for Adam Silver is securing this deal so Phil Knight is the owner of the Blazers. You get him in your league, and you also know that the Blazers are going to stay in Portland and that there's loyalty involved with Phil Knight keeping them in Portland. And Phil Knight is 84 years old. So you know I don't think anyone wants this to drag out for a long time. The Blazers have a new arena lease to negotiate, and 
the new owner could do that. So there's a lot of moving parts, but I would be very surprised at the end of the day if NBA commissioner Adam Silver wasn't able to broker a deal between the Paul G. Allen Trust and Phil Knight's group to make Phil Knight the next owner of the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah, look, it's a no-brainer. I mean, Adam Silver and the powers that be are salivating over this because, like you mentioned, he is Nike, and the NBA does so much with Nike, and a lot of the big players do stuff with Nike. So, I mean, this is just, uh, when I heard this news come out, obviously I'm born and raised in Oregon, so I know know Phil Knight, I know of Phil Knight very well. So I love what he's done with the University of Oregon and just the community, and he gives so much to cancer research and everything else. I mean, he's just an all-around good guy, and I think it'd be a great, great move for the Blazers and for the NBA in general, just to get him on board. So I'm down. And uh, again, a developing story. We'll be watching it. Yeah, definitely be watching it closely. All right. Game one of the NBA finals between the Celtics and the Warriors. The least watched game one in 15 years. So heading into Wednesday night's game three, ESPN and NBA are definitely hoping for bounce back TV ratings. 11.9 million viewers watched across ABC and ESPN2. That is not great ratings, Griggs. And again, you know, the NFL draft gets more people watching than these numbers. And when this is your prime time marquee event and you've got the Warriors, one of your uh, most highly rated teams with Steph Curry playing, and, and these are the numbers, it's disappointing. Yeah, that kind of surprises me. I mean, you got two really watchable teams. I think Boston's a big market. Obviously, Golden State is too, and they're just watchable because there's got so many stars. But, uh, you know, it kind of surprises me. I think what will help, hopefully, is if this series goes to six and seven games, you might get more viewership. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's kind, of a, kind of a downer. I wasn't surprised. I was kind of surprised that the ratings were that low. I've been watching, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. The last headline of the week. This is a doozy. And, you know, we've kind of seen this coming. But last week on the show, we told you how Dustin Johnson accepted a $125 million deal just to play on the Live Tour, the LIV Tour, which is going to be starting here soon. And everyone was waiting to see who are the golfers, but Dustin Johnson was the headliner. And again, to put $125 million into perspective, we just watched Rafael Nadal, probably the greatest tennis player ever, win his 22nd Grand Slam at the French Open. In Nadal's entire career, which spans a couple of decades, he's won $127 million in on-court prize money. So Dustin Johnson is getting $125 million just to show up. This doesn't even count if he gets prize money. Well, now, as many people expected, Phil Mickelson announces he's going to join the LIV Tour, and he says he's going to play in golf's majors as well. But Griggs, Phil Mickelson has signed on for a reported two hundred million dollars and a lot of people have said to me in the last week gosh phil mickelson is part of this he lost all his sponsors dustin johnson lost all of his sponsors well dustin johnson was making about 25 million dollars a year in sponsor money phil mickelson probably closer to 50 but when you're making 200 million and 125 million guaranteed just to show up you kind of bake that into the, hey, this is what I need, LIV Tour, to play with you, and you still come out way ahead. Now, we could get into the politics of this all day long and you know who's backing this tour and whether it's right or wrong, but Griggs, everyone has their number, and anyone listening to this that doesn't say that they don't have their number is lying. But Phil Mickelson obviously had his number. Dustin Johnson obviously had his number. And they said yes. And and like I said, Phil Mickelson 
is going to make $200 million just to show up for the tour. And, you know, he's in the latter stages of his career. So he's being paid more now than he's made on course his entire career, Greg. Yeah, uh, that's huge numbers. I mean, these are, like you said, big numbers, big players. And I think with these big names, you're going to see possibly more names, you know, filter in. But man, they're going to want big money. I mean, where are they getting this money from? It's just crazy. Well, yeah, I think we know where the money's coming from and it's not a good place, but that's where the money's coming from. And as part of this story, it was reported that Tiger Woods was offered almost a billion dollars. So, you know, you think 200 mils a lot for Phil Mickelson. They were offering Tiger close to a billion dollars just to show up. And he said, no, Jack Nicholas, a hundred million dollars just to show up. He said, no. So it's going to be interesting to see the reception that this gets. It's going to be interesting to see how many people watch, but make no mistake. The LIV tour is paying a truckload of money, a Brinks truckload of money to Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson and, you know, other players that have signed on to play in this. Yeah, I think uh, it'll be interesting, too, because is there going to be division with players that are still doing PGA only and then the LIV players? It'll be interesting to see if there's some, you know, some bad blood that mixes in with that, too. So, again, a very developing story that's going to just continue to grow. Yeah, it might be like a wrestling match when Phil goes and plays the majors with the PGA Tour players. And they're like, hey, I'm not really down with you doing this, Phil. And Phil's like, hey. I'm taking the money. Like it is going to like they are going to interact again. So you bring up a good point. It's not like they're never going to play in a match or a tournament against each other again. They're going to play in the majors together. So you're going to have a blend of LIV tour players and you're going to have a blend of PGA tour players playing in those majors cuz PGA tour does not govern the majors. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens when they get together. All right, coming up next, Ken LaRose, the senior VP of brand and consumer for FootJoy. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. As the sun comes out and small businesses are back in business, LinkedIn Jobs makes it easier to grow your team. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the people you want to interview faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring so your network can help you find the right people to hire. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rank LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash SBR. That's linkedin.com slash SBR to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. My guest is Ken LaRose. He is FootJoy Senior Vice President of Brand and Consumer. You can find FootJoy online at footjoy.com. I recently had the pleasure of wear testing several pairs of FootJoys when I was on the golf course. I tried the Fuel, the Premier, and the Contour, and we'll talk about that. But uh, I'm a big fan of the FootJoy shoe now. Ken, thanks for joining me on Sports Business Radio. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. 
So Food Joy has been around dating back to 1857, but boy, you guys have really evolved as a company. Um, I mean, there's a lot of different ways we could go to start, but maybe just talk to us about the things that you guys are doing to evolve with technology and just, you know, stay on top of the latest trends. Yeah, definitely. And, and as you mentioned, um, that's a lot of history uh, dating back to uh, 1857. Um, so there's, there's a lot that we can go through in the archives, but I think the focus on now certainly is extremely appropriate, you know, just given the energy that's on the game of golf and the energy that's on our brand. Um, you know, what, what we're focused on, generally speaking, um, is a couple of things. Number one, we always want to be advancing our brand forward and advancing our categories forward. Um, as leaders uh, in the wearable space in golf, we view it as our obligation to continue to just advance the game forward um, through our appropriate lens. So that means a couple of things on the footwear side. Um, it's performance, innovation, and design. We want to make sure that we're making the absolute best product for all golfers, whether it be Justin Thomas performing um, on the game's grandest stages or an amateur just picking up the game, we want to make sure that we are developing product that's appropriate to meet each golfer's unique needs. Um, and that frames up a lot of what we do on the footwear side. We offer more styles, more types of footwear than any other brand, not because it always makes the most economic sense, um, but because that's what's the right thing for golfers, because we very much view golf as a piece of equipment in addition to being a piece of style expression. So on the footwear side, very much focused on performance and innovation. Um, and I would say that also extends into our other categories as well. So apparel and gloves, very similar. We're trying to make sure that we are leading the space and we're providing the best possible product for our consumer and all golfers to look and play their best. I mean, I live in Oregon, so it gets wet here. So, you know, a shoe that stays dry, um, a shoe that's comfortable. I usually walk when I play, I don't ride a cart. So, you know, if I'm playing band and dunes or, you know, one of those courses, I want to make sure at the end of 18, when I'm walking, my feet aren't blistered up and sore. I got to go soak them in a hot tub for hours. And when I wear the foot joys, you know, my, my feet feel really, uh, great at the end of the round. I also like that the shoe is a little bit wider, at least in my yep. experience. And, and I have a wider foot. So uh, some other shoes that are more narrow um, just don't do well with my feet. So I like there's a lot of breathing room in the shoe. Yeah, Brian, here's a crazy stat for you because you brought up the concept of fit. Um, when we go out and do fittings um, and just measure people's feet, it's remarkable how many people are in the wrong size shoe. Really? Um, not necessarily the length. More often than not, it's the width. Mm -hmm. But when we go out and do fittings, around 70% of the people are actually not in the correct size shoe, whether that's width or like me, I have uh, my left foot is a half size smaller than my right foot. Um, so little things like that can play into how well a golf shoe fits. Um, and again, that's one of the reasons why we carry more sizes. Um, because we know it's the right thing for for golfers. And your point about comfort, absolutely. I mean, when you're walking, especially if you go to a place like Bandon Dunes, where you're probably out there for multiple days, you're probably playing multiple rounds per day. Um, it's pretty hilly. You can't take a cart there. Um, you're walking like 15 miles a day if you do two rounds. So uh, comfort is sort of table stakes uh, for us. And uh, what's also interesting around comfort, and these put this in the category of of shoe dogs who probably spend too much time talking about footwear. 
what's comfortable to me might be different for you. I might like something that's super soft and squishy. You might like something that's a little bit firmer underfoot. Um, so making sure that we've got those options available is a really important part of what we do. It's so interesting how shoes have evolved. So, you know, I can remember as a kid chatting for my dad and my dad wore foot joys. And, you know, back in the day, they were a little bit bigger and bulkier and they weren't as breathable. And now I wear a shoe like the contour and I'm like, I could wear this on the course or off the course. Like it, it could be something I wear with jeans or, you know, just a stylish shoe. So I, I just look at the evolution of the golf shoe and it's much better and more comfortable today for me than like my dad's shoe back in the day. Absolutely. Um, it's totally different. And, and versatility is something that, that's becoming um, a really important trend in golf footwear. Um, we're always going to offer that classic looking golf shoe that gives you max performance. And maybe that's the one that you stash in, in your locker and you save it for like a member member or a tournament where there's a lot of people, you know, life on the go. You've got a finite amount of time. You want to just put on some shoes that you, you wear to the office that you wear to play nine holes as fast as possible, then you wear back home again. Um, so versatility is definitely becoming a, a trend that we've seen for a while, but certainly right now, as people are trying to find excuses to tuck six holes into a day or nine holes into a day, you got to get there, be quick. Um, and that versatility is really valued by a lot of golfers. One of the things I look at with brands that I have on this show, how well do you activate around your partners? You know, there's a lot of, brands and they have partners and the partner does something big and the brand just doesn't take advantage of the moment. And I look at what you guys just did around Justin Thomas's PGA championship victory, whether it was on social media or the congratulations afterwards, explain to our audience who may work with brands, but they don't know the right way to activate. You guys did it the right way. What's the thinking and planning that goes into that? Are you going into the weekend saying, Hey, if one of our men or women, if it's a women's tournament, you know, wins this thing, this is how we're going to activate to capitalize on the moment. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it's planning and planning for all the different um, variables that go into supporting a professional athlete who could come in, you know, 50th or who could come in first. So um, a lot of it is advanced planning. Um, a lot of it is just having your finger on the button and being ready. Um, and being engaged. Um, and I think you're right. I think consumers want to align themselves with brands that are authentically participating. Um, so for us, that means we need to do our work upstream planning to take advantage of those moments, but also be willing to leave a fair amount open for discussion just based on what happens. So read, react, engage. I think that lends itself towards a more authentic presentation of your brand, um, a little less contrived. So there, there is very much that combination of we're going to plan as much as we can, but we're also going to leave a fair amount of real estate in our narrative for, um, for real time. Tiger Woods is someone who is probably the biggest name in golf. And, um, you know, he's been a Nike guy for a long time. He shows up at the Masters and, and he's wearing foot joy. And many people took notice. Um, I don't know how much you can talk about it, but I would imagine at the very least you were flooded with uh, people giving you feedback on, wow, Tiger's wearing 
for Joy now. Yeah, um, you know, generally, I I prefer just not to comment on on players that that, um, are not under agreement with us. And and I certainly want to be respectful of of our competition as well. So we kind of like to throw the blanket, just no comment uh, statement over that. Having said that, you know, I'll I'll just say that, again, our brand takes great pride in in just providing the best product out there. Mm -hmm. Um, So that applies, again, to amateurs that are new to the game. And that applies to professionals um, on tour. Well, I'll say it because you can't. If Tiger Woods, one of the greatest golfers of all time, who pays meticulous attention to everything that he wears or uses for his equipment is wearing your shoe, that says a lot about your product. So again, you don't have to say it. I'll say it. Um, Jessica Corda is a LPGA player that you guys recently signed. I love to see that you're doing things with the LPGA and women's golf as well. What does that market look like for you? There's a lot of energy in that marketplace. Um, as I'm sure that, that you've seen and your audience has seen, there's a lot of energy in golf overall. Like golf is having a moment. It's been having a moment for the past several years. Um, and, you know, I think one of the, the parts of the marketplace in particular has a lot of energy is, is the women's side. Um, and, you know, I think that caused us to reflect and ask ourselves critically, and I think fairly, are we doing enough to support the women's game? Um, and while I, we're the market share leader, we're, we're number one on the LPGA tour in terms of footwear. I, I think we, we looked at ourselves and said, Hey, we need to do a bit more here. We need to do a better job here. Um, and so over the past really 24 months, um, again, building off of a pretty good foundation, but one where we know we could do better. We've invested a lot of money in insights. Um, we've invested a lot of money adding talent to our footwear and apparel teams. Uh, to make sure that we're able to balance performance needs with design needs for women, uh, and then investments on tour, making sure that our brand was showing up head to toe um, on the game's greatest stage. So uh, Jessica, it was our first ever head to toe uh, LPGA player agreement signed. So really excited about that partnership, what it can represent for us. And you know, to the to the earlier point about engagement. We don't form agreements with players just to use their name and likeness. We form agreements with players because we want to interact with them. We want to work with them. We want to understand what's working for them, what's not working for them. Um, And Jessica has been an amazing partner in helping us better understand what are the needs of a woman who's playing at that elite level and how can we evolve our product to, to best meet those needs. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back after this. Hey, everyone. Brian Berger here. Roan is the new official menswear partner of Sports Business Radio. I love their product. I've been a fan for a long time. Did you know David Stern was one of their first investors? Roan makes the absolute highest quality, best fitting, and most comfortable performance-driven clothing for men. Their entire line places emphasis on an active, balanced, and purpose-driven lifestyle. I'm wearing my spar joggers. I've got them in uh, Heather Gray, I've got them in navy. I've got my moleskin commuter slim pant. I've got my regular black commuter pant. I've got my dress shirts. So when I'm out in in-person meetings, I have the nicer Roan product to wear. But most of the time, I'm working from home. And I've got my rain long sleeve gray Heather camo. I've got my rain long sleeve hoodies. I am wearing the shorts for workouts, the seven inch Mako shorts. So I'll tell you what, from top to bottom, whether it's casual or business wear, Roan has me covered. I know they're going to have you covered too. 
And Roan is offering Sports Business Radio podcast listeners 15% off your purchase. Go to Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter code SBR15 at checkout, like Sports Business Radio 15, SBR15 at checkout. Receive 15% off your purchase. That's Roan.com, R-H-O-N-E.com and enter promo code SBR15 at checkout. Now, back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. I had Jack Nicholas on this show long ago, and I asked him, when you're designing golf courses, how do you design golf courses for the higher handicap person like me versus the elite golfer? So, you know, we just talked about Justin Thomas and Jessica Corda, but when you're designing shoes for the common everyday golfer like me, how do you do that differently than for the elite golfer? I know the elite golfers, everything's super customized and, and you know, they're paying attention to every single detail. For me, I just want something that's comfortable and foot, fit, you know, uh, fits my foot well. But yeah. maybe talk about the difference between designing for the elite golfer and the everyday golfer. Yeah, I mean, I think we definitely take insights from the elite golfer, but you'd be surprised um, that even on the elite stage, those players all are looking for different things. And so I think some of the things you talked about, like you're looking for a comfortable shoe that allows you to get around is light, maybe athletic looking. There are a lot of players on tour who are looking for that exact same thing, just based on their swing. Um, and so, you know, we design product that can hold up on the PGA tour. A lot of that product is actually very applicable to recreational players as well. And a lot of it just comes back to what type of swing you have. And, you know, I'd encourage anyone to go look at a close-up of, say, Justin Thomas's feet when he swings. He's generating so much power by pushing off the ground. He almost comes off of his feet when he makes contact with the ball. If you look at his left leg, his front leg. Um, and because of that, he needs a really, really stiff shoe to maximize that power. There's other players like Jessica Corda. Look at her swing. She has really quiet feet, and she's sort of a feel player. Um, so she doesn't need as much of that support because her footwork is just very different. Now, both of those people have swings I could never even imagine having myself, and most yeah. golfers can't. But you can see the contrast in style, both obviously massively effective, but both require a slightly different thing in terms of what they need from their footwear. And that applies to recreational players as well. All right, we've got a few minutes left. Uh, the U.S. Open and the Open Championship are coming up for the men on the major calendar. What are Foot Joy's plans around those events? Anything special we should be paying attention to? Yeah, we've got some special things um, uh, that, that we're planning activating around those tournaments. Um, one of the things that we've been doing over the past couple of years is uh, working with collaborators. Um, so collaborations for our brand, and we tend to um, activate those around majors. Um, so we've got a couple of those planned for the back half of the year, one at the U.S. Open in Brookline, uh, and then another one following at the Open Championship um, at St. Andrews. Uh, you know, I, I think it's an authentic, interesting way that that's very, um, you know, relevant to our consumer um, and to golfers to connect with them in and around the majors. We don't want to compete with the majors. We want to complement the majors in a way that's you know, interesting to us, interesting to our consumers, interesting to our tour players. And so we brought on collaborators around the majors to help us do that. Um, John Buscemi around the Players' Championship earlier this year, which you may have seen, um, a luxury street um, sneaker uh, maker, incredible brand, golf fanatic, 
we partnered together to launch a new shoe around the Players Championship. Um, Garrett Light, who's a West Coast-based eyewear designer, um, also golf fanatic. You can mm-hmm. detect a theme here. Uh, we partnered with him to do a tortoiseshell collection, which was both footwear and eyewear. Um, and we just recently did a, a program uh, with Todd Snyder, our second program, a head-to-toe collection that we activated um, around the PGA Championship. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome. I think a lot of people don't know that FootJoy also makes products beyond shoes. I mean, you guys make a lot of other things so you can outfit players from head to toe. Yeah, no, it's it's a pretty incredible feat if you think about a brand named FootJoy that right. we've been able to extend <laughs> uh, uh, up from, from the feet head to toe. But no, I mean, we're, um, you know, depending on uh, the month or depending on the market, you know, we are a leading apparel brand now. Um, I think around 50% of our sales are actually outside of the footwear space now, which again is is a testament to, I think, the uh, the quality of the product, the quality of the team. Um, but but again, you wouldn't think that uh, from a brand called FootJoy that we're so balanced um, across different categories. All right, last question for you. Look into your crystal ball. Um, as you mentioned earlier, the last few years, especially during the pandemic, because it was a good social distancing sport, golf numbers have really increased as far as participation goes. Do you see this trajectory continuing to go up? Do you think it levels out? Where is the future of of golf for, again, the common person like me and just participation in golf? Yeah, I don't think you're going to see the stratospheric rise in participation that we saw 19 to 20, 20 to 21. That's just not sustainable. Um, Having said that, I I do think you're going to see a lot of health and energy in the game for years to come. Um, And the reason why I say that is because I think a lot of the um, developments that have occurred over the past couple of years are going to keep people engaged and have really added something to the game of golf. So I think there's more ways for people to experience the game, whether that's indoors at, you know, simulators, whether that's nine holes versus all 18. I mean, 18 holes of golf for someone who's new to the game can be a bit daunting. So I think playing nine holes as a way in has become uh, much more uh, acceptable um, and I just think overall there there's, I don't want to say a casualization of the game because that's certainly not, not the case, but I think the game has become less intimidating for those who seek to pick it up anew. Um, the other piece that I, I, I think that has a lot of staying, staying power is just the broader experience. You're seeing destinations pop up like the Bandon Dunes, like the Sand Valleys, these more holistic experiences in around the game of golf. Um, and even this, this, you know, the rise of golf fitness, um, I, I think adds a dimension to the game that's going to attract maybe a more athletic perspective into the game. So I think there's been a lot of um, enhancements and developments um, to the game over the past couple of years that are going to allow the, the, the golf to be pretty healthy uh, for the foreseeable future. Do I think it's going to be the stratospheric rise in participation? No. But do I think a lot of the people who picked up the game recently are going to stay in the game? and continue to deepen their passion for the game? Absolutely. Yeah, and I think everyone's really busy. So I've totally noticed in the last few years, nine holes is acceptable. It used to be like, if you said you were going to play golf with someone, if you weren't committed to playing the 18, like they're like, nah, we can't play. I'm not playing nine. But now nine is like, you can go play nine after work, or you could play nine before work, or it just doesn't take as much time. And like you said, it's not as intimidating to the entry-level golfers. So I think that's one of the big stories in golf the last few years for the person who's not the pro golfer is nine holes is kind of acceptable now. 
Yeah. And, and I think, you know, over the past couple of years, I think people have had freedom with their schedules that maybe they have never really had. Right. I think that flexibility is going to continue too, not to the degree it has been, but I think people, if they want to carve out two hours on a Wednesday to sneak in nine holes, hour and a half, whatever the case may be, I think that flexibility continues on is my sense. And so I think that dynamic is going to continue uh, with the game. All right. I asked this question to anyone who is with a shoe company that comes on this show. I need your favorite foot joy shoe model of all time. I mean, is it a cop out if I give you one that we're selling right now? Uh, the, uh, the the Premier Series is it, it launched uh, in 2021. It was our reinvention of our classic shoe. Yeah, um, that would have been the one I would have pointed to. Sort of the old classics that were handmade in the United States. There's a lot of nostalgic built up in that silhouette. What people forget is they took probably you know a month to break in. They weren't the most waterproof shoe in the world. They're really heavy. Um, with this reinvention, the premier series, we've taken that classic silhouette and we've supercharged it with innovation. So it's got that classic look, but it's got all the comfort you'd expect from a modern shoe, uh, a modern shoe, um, all the support, stability, performance that you would ever need. So uh, I am going to take the cop out route and go with a current shoe. So I would say uh, the premier series Packard, which is kind of our modern interpretation of the saddle. Or uh, we just came out with a bleacher style shoe called the Field, which is which is awesome. Well, I'll tell you this: I wore uh, all three of the Fuel, the Premier, and the Contour, and I was playing with someone uh, when I was wearing the Contour, and they immediately ordered a pair after our round. They're like, "I love those shoes," and and they said what I said that you could wear those off the course as well. So they're like, "I can multi-purpose with these shoes." So you already sold a pair of shoes, uh, thanks to me. Awesome. One shoot at a time. That's great. Ken LaRose, FootJoy Senior Vice President of Brand and Consumer. Find FootJoy online at footjoy.com. Ken, thanks so much for joining me on Sports Business Radio and best of luck in the future. Thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. We'll be right back. I am on my underdog fantasy app every night. Underdog Fantasy is the official gaming partner of Sports Business Radio. It's the fastest growing fantasy app ever released with investors that include Mark Cuban, Kevin Durant, Adam Schefter, Jared Goff, and many more. The Underdog Fantasy app is available at underdogfantasy.com on iOS or on Android. I love it. I play a lot of Pick'em. I do rivals. There's best ball. It makes watching the games a lot more fun. So we've got a special offer for sports business radio listeners. New users can get up to $100 matched on their first deposit when they use the code SBR. So download the app at underdogfantasy.com and then enter the promo code SBR to get up to $100 to play with. Well, that's it for this edition of Sports Business Radio. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks to our show staff, Brian Griggs and Josh Blank. And thanks to our partner, Molka Sports, for powering Sports Business Radio. Learn more about them online at molkasports.com. That's M-A-L-K-A sports.com. For Brian Griggs, I'm Brian Berger. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon right here on Sports Business Radio. 
This and every SBR podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and your favorite listening app. Follow Sports Business Radio on Facebook, Twitter at SB Radio, Instagram at Sports Business Radio, and online at sportsbusinessradio.com. Sports Business Radio is produced by Brian Griggs and Griggs Productions. GriggsProductions.com.